0: And welcome back to AA Opera episode 40. 4-0. Yeah. Zero. Zero, the big four oh, we've made it. <laughs> Over the hill. You know those mugs that you that oh my god, I remember when um, there's a wishbone episode. Did you have wishbone in the UK? I've not heard of it, no, but it might be like I might be a bit young. It might I be think. like an early nineties kind of thing. But anyway, so it was it was a show about a dog. Who went back in like to books and back in history, and he was always like the main character in those episodes. So, like, right. there was an episode, you'd love this. There was an episode where they were talking about the Phantom of the Opera because there was also a book originally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was the Phantom. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Uh, and and
1: where have you got this from? Like, what's fuck that? <laughs> anyway, wait, wait. So,
0: so there's an episode where there's two guys and a girl who like, one of the guys, Wishbone was his dog, but like they were like three best friends and there was one girl and her dad had his 40th birthday in one episode and they were talking about how serious it is that he was turning 40. And yeah. he's like, I am over the hill now. I am, you know, <laughs> just, he was explaining to his like, 15 year old daughter what how exciting it is to be 40 yeah so, sorry that
1: was, that was that, that's fine I mean 40 I mean it's a it's a big number and it certainly doesn't feel like we've done 40 episodes the time has gone by so quickly um, but oh here we God. are we're, we're on the way to on the way to 50 now
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah we're Quite definitely over the hill um but Avi how has your week been my week has been it's flown by, actually, because I've just been at the academy stewarding exams d- day in, day out. So I kind of feel like, oh, what is the world? What is life? I was <laughs> here Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Wow. I would be here. So. But look at the setting you're in. You're you're there right I now. Mean, I you know, know. I'm sitting in Duke's Hall. I'm sitting outside of Duke's Hall. So mm-hmm. if there's a bit of an echo. Apologies. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but yeah, no, it's very fancy. I kinda wish I had a really nice cup of tea or something. At the moment I'm just on a pret because <laughs> there's no canteen at the academy.
1: You're helping the economy.
0: Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I know, but it's no more lo- it's no longer eat out to help out, so it's not really helping my economy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> what about you? How was your week?
1: I uh, well, it's been nice to get back to a bit more normality. I've been leaving the flat a lot more um, because some of my teaching has started up again which has been nice and I always feel this kind of fresh start in September even though neither of us are students anymore. Um, it kind of feels like a, a fresh start we're going into the autumn and uh, it's uh, I've just been quite productive with bits and pieces so yeah it's it's been a good week but this week we have an amazing guest we have conductor matthew kofi waldron um who i first met when i was at university in durham so it was nice to chat with him again and he's got some great things to share with us about life as a conductor we had such an
0: amazing time talking to him it was really incredible and we hope you enjoy too
1: joined by Matthew Kofi waldron Matthew, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with us. It's great to see you again. Um, would you like to start off with telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
2: Right, so this is probably the most difficult question, isn't it, really? Um, <laughs> I I'm Matthew Kofi waldron I'm a conductor. Uh, I live in London uh, with my wife and our cats. I, I conduct all sorts, but I, I, I do a lot of opera conducting all over the place, uh, so it's a great job. And I think I met Ashley years ago when you were still at university. At Durham. I masterclass with you in Durham, yeah.
1: We were doing Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, which was amazing, fantastic production. I loved it. It's Best the
2: perfect, I- it's the perfect opera for COVID if anyone wants to put it on, to be honest with you. It's outdoors, Yeah. small, you can do it socially distanced. I mean, that's a little plug for Will there.
0: But, yeah, um, good. <laughs> But can you tell us a little bit more about what got you into opera and what was your exact first experience, maybe, with opera?
2: Oh, hey. I mean, I th- it was quite a slow burn, really. I mean, bef- before I was a conductor, I, I, I was a, I was a singer. So I, I, mean, I was a pianist and a flautist as a, as a kid, but also a singer. And that's what I really wanted to do. Opera came along... a a little bit later. I started singing when I was about seven, so I did a lot of chorister work um, uh, in my local church and then in the Southern Cathedral Singers, and, uh, and, and then later at, at University and Chapel Choir um, as a choral scholar. So I started singing at seven. I didn't have singing lessons till I went to Junior Department Music College. And I, I was but I was always into theatre. I loved plays, but I loved music theatre as well. Mm. Um, still do. And so I used to we used to go a lot I go a lot to see stuff. We had a friend who did a lot of music directing, uh, a guy called Mark Dorrell, who lives in New Zealand now, but he did a lot of the Sondine shows. Mm. And um, so we went to see the woods and things like that when it was first on and he gets tickets to other shows so we went to see anything goes. Yeah. Um, uh, when that was first on in the early 90s. So I was very into seeing the music theatre, but then I was working with uh, my senior teacher at the Unicom of college when I was 14 years old, and she must have been giving me some Mozart, and uh, we started singing some of that, and we started singing more classical repertoire. And I think it was an important thing was that she was also singing professionally. so. I think the first opera I ever saw, because where I lived there wasn't much opera going on, she was doing Albert Herring at Sadler's Wells with what was then called Opera 80, which then later became ETO. I think that's what happened to Opera 80. It was an amalgamation. So, I mean, I'm quite old. (laughs) <laughs> so we're going sort of way back, and she was playing. She was playing Lady Billows, and I do remember the excitement of going into London and going to see my teacher on stage yeah. in in a theatre in London it was uh, for a uh, young. Bit of a wow moment,
1: yeah. Yeah,
2: and I was like, oh my god, she's doing this with orchestra, and this is so cool. I want to do that. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I think I got a bug for it then, because, and so then I started getting loads. I was, I devoured music. I just devoured music then. So I had, and then we didn't have a lot of money. So, but there, there were, there was, there um it was a magazine, uh, I think it was called Classical Composers or something, but it was a magazine which said something about composers, but it had a CD on the front of it with repertoire. So you could basically each month begin to sort of devour a repertoire. And then any money that I would have, I'd go to our price store, wherever it was, and buy, <laughs> <laughs> buy, buy CDs. And um, uh, I started buying uh, opera CDs as well. So, you know, and I was a weird kid because I'd go home from school and I'd, I'd listen to the magic flute and then to a tenor and uh, And uh, I, I really got into it. And I think because I was able to travel into London for the junior department, on weekends as a sort of 15 16 you know I could just stop off in town before heading home on the train and you know back in the day ENO the balcony tickets on the day you could get in for like four quid if you were just passing by and so I did that a lot um, my parents just my mum just decided that she was going to buy me a sort of subscription the to balcony for a year um, uh. where i could take a friend with me but I, you know i think one of the first things i saw there was Jonathan Miller's Rigoletto which of course is such an iconic production yeah. and it was you know it was so cool seeing that that jukebox moment was of course it was a standout thing but also just seeing the, the the mafia the mob represented in that way it was a, a really cool thing but i saw offers that i wouldn't I've ordinarily even didn't know what they're about. I mean, I remember walking past the Collie, must have been 16, and just seeing Roussalka, and I thought, what the hell's that? I had no idea. And then there's Borjaq up and I was like, oh, oh, right. I didn't really know that he'd written many of them. So, but there's four quits, so I just went, okay, I'll go and sit, and it's so magical. I mean, Mm -hmm. even this weekend, I was doing Song to the Moon with uh, Natalia Romano, and it's just, it gives me just, yeah.
0: It's one of those operas that's always like, oh, wait, I do know this story. I don't need to, l- I don't need to pay attention. I can just watch and like, enjoy. Enjoy the
1: music, yeah.
0: <laughs> Excellent.
2: <laughs> anyway, that's my convoluted way of saying that's how I got into opera. And then, <laughs> and, and then, of course, you know, I carried on when I became a professional singer for a while. And then uh, it made those contacts. And then when I became a conductor, it was a very natural thing to uh, do a lot of opera.
1: Amazing. So could you tell us a little bit more about that transition from a singer to a conductor? What was it that made you want to sort of change path?
2: I mean, it's not the normal route in inverted commas for conductors. I mean, in in Germany particularly, the route is very much through uh, uh, playing, you know, being a and, and, and and conducting uh, after that, and I, I'm a pianist, but I was never a concert um, I think junior department was good because there was a there was this very rounded uh, musical education on the Saturdays there. I, you know, I was always a bit of a polymath, really. I wasn't really specialising in in some in some ways. Um, and then when I left university, I trained to be a singer. That's all I wanted to do. You know, so I went to Guildhall. Um, and, but I had through university also done a lot of conducting. But I'd always found a connection with it. I really enjoyed the personality of it and um, finding something in the music and being able to share that, to be able to guide a group of people through something. Um, and all through my early days singing, I was also having conducting lessons. Um, and so there was um, always this push and pull of what, what, what I should do, but I was always very, very busy um, singing. I was lucky, you know, I suppose, but I, I, it wasn't fulfilling me, and I, and in in all honesty, I wasn't ever going to reach where I where I would have wanted to reach as a singer. I maybe didn't have the right attitude for it or the confidence in myself. I'm not saying my voice wasn't good, but I, I. you know there are there are there are qualities that. There's you, many
1: factors, yeah. Yeah,
2: there's so many qualities, and and I had been offered various contracts for one year and had said yes, but then I actually, um, before signing, actually contacted me and said, you yeah, know, actually I'm, I'm going to stop. So I took some time out, uh, carried on conducting training, but I'd also made a lot of contacts, um, you know, conductors and. Um, uh, work in, in, in the industry. Um, and so James Clutton who runs October mm-hmm. Park, director of the Park, I, I had mm-hmm. a meeting with him quite early on and um, he asked me to chorus master two productions And straight away there we hit it off and, 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 and it went very very well with the, the chorus there. And so I was invited back into the whole season and then another season. Uh, we, we did some really good things with the chorus during that time, and um, uh, then other conductors became some mentors to me. John Owen Edwards uh, was very, very, very good to me in, in the early days, and I learned an awful lot from him. Um, and I was assisting people, and 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 th- then the journey just sort of started. And I've, I've been, you know, I've taken the opportunities that have been there, um, and uh, yeah. But I think my character is much more suited to that thing and i think then when you find what it is that you really want to do you become very focused on that um and uh i suppose in some ways ambitious but uh, but uh just taking the opportunities that 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 arise and 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 really following them following them through and i love it because what i do is i i'm working with a bunch of people and facilitating the possible music opening, storytelling from them um, and guiding people through and and being central to the music, which is something that in some ways I felt I wasn't being as a, as a singer mm-hmm. I, I, because I, I, I wasn't in the centre of the score mm-hmm. in that same way. I, but it, I felt I had something that I could, something in my personality that I could, show something of the music and 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 show what i wanted to bring out of that piece of music to people um and also in opera it's so collaborative to take on all other people's ideas and, and amalgamate that
1: that links on well to our next question which is um in your view what is the role of the conductor within a whole production process and how do you work with other members of the production team
2: well, you, you are a team. So Of course, your work to begin with is just you and your score, and having an idea working through so that you can, you know, every part inside out, you know, the text inside out, which is super important. In fact, the, the most important thing. So you have idea of it over the characters, how the text interacts. Uh, with, uh, the, uh, with the score in terms of uh, harmony, in terms of uh, the, the pitch, in terms of rhythm, in terms of, of everything that, that's there in the score. And you, you, you find uh, an architecture for it, uh, and uh, you find a direction of travel that works to you and how you see the piece. But it's also not being too dogmatic about it, because there is, in my opinion, there's very little point in being so dogmatic that when you are with a bunch of people and you can't achieve what it is that you want to achieve, it would just be pointless. And, yeah. and then it's also sort of a process. You know, opera is a long process for a rehearsal and, and your, your job is to, to bring that score to life in that particular production with those particular singers. So you can do as much work as you possibly can on your own but there comes a point where you need other people. Hmm. I'd, I'd say, as a side note, that's why conductors have been pretty useless during during lockdown. <laughs> I was saying, I was, I, I was saying to the players on Saturday, "You know, God, God we've missed you." I tell you what, like we missed the players because, I mean, we can't do anything without without the musicians. So we've done a lot of talking during um, <laughs> during this period. Um, uh, but yeah, you, then you get into the, the rehearsal room, and it, it is um, a collaboration. I've been very fortunate. I work with a lot of directors who I respect and admire and enormously, and who are also great friends. And we're interested in telling the story and finding the best way of telling the story. We challenge one another and and uh, to find the, the best dramatic through line we can for the production that we're doing. And we do that also with the singers. And uh, so uh, my job with the singers is to uh, guide them through musically to help bring out the text, to help bring out the music that we need to, that we, we need to bring out. But we just, uh, it's to, to find the arc of their characters as well, to make them feel like they own it. And it's not something that I'm giving them. And it's also true that singers and conductors collaborate and challenge one another, and that's not a bad thing either, but that also conductors need to realize that singers will come and will have more interesting ideas than them, um, at time, and then that and the, and the you, as a conductor, will also have better ideas than them, and also you'll have an idea of the architecture of the So, why can't a singer take time here? Well, you might want to, but I can't because I need to take time here so um let's move on through this a little bit you know and um you know and it's it's tricky being I also view it as being a support um, as a conductor because what you 're asking of singers sometimes is very different from what they've prepared, before. and that can be really tricky that can be yeah. really tricky because it's not that the singer doesn't want to do it um, and will do it, but it's just going to take time mm-hmm. to 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 Reapproach it or find a different way of doing it and find a reason for that and so that you get on the same wavelength, you know, and, you know, a lot of it's psychology as a conductor as well, when you're working with people, because you just need to understand the people that you're working with in, in that time to help get the best out there. Um, and so conductors can be quite, I <laughs> think, we're probably quite control freaky in some ways. Um, but, but, Opera is not, the, you don't really want to be a control group in opera because you know, you have five weeks say in the studio. Yeah. Now, you, I, I've had times where I've had music staff run for me and say, this isn't right, that's not right. They mm-hmm. say, so, yes, I, I know, and you're absolutely right. But if I if I address this now in the way that you were suggesting with the singer, then what are we going to do? We've got five weeks. And all the singer will feel mm-hmm. like is that Something's being imposed upon them. Whilst they're also thinking about where should I be should I be Upstage left. What's my intention? What's the director thinking? Of what asked me to do there? How am I trying to sing that pianissimo at the same time? You know, and 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 if if I if I'm badgering a singer to get this one detail right, it's just counterproductive. Um, and the detail will come, but the singer needs time to find it for themselves. And you find ways of exploring a piece so that that happens but you're not necessarily saying something do this do that now it's yeah. just not it's just not my style it's not my style and I, I, I mean I, I also have you know and there are, I've worked with lots of different conductors over the years as well assisting and observing and everyone has their their own style and um, I would say that everybody in the end conducts their help you know you want to help people get their best performance my 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 feeling is though as much as I want to hear exactly what I hear in my head it is never going to happen and it's actually better that it's never going to happen that way because then it's the live music and and it's not a museum piece so it's going to be different every time it's different every performance within the, the boundaries that you set within the director of travel that you set it, every night lives in a slightly different way and so it's 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 very exciting. I, think.
0: I have a question. Being a someone who came from singing and then became a conductor, which is not, as we said, the usual path for conductors, do you feel that you have more of an insight into what it's like to be that singer on stage and what you would have wanted as a singer to hear from a conductor, or are you just like, ah, that was a time long ago? I just do my thing now.
2: Yeah, I, I do. I mean, uh, I think there's a there's a three D nature of it, actually you know, working with all the time, um, you have the academic, but you absolutely know what it is to be a singer and to be on stage, um, even if it feels like a long, long time ago now, you know what it's like to be on stage and uh, turning around or they have to hang upside down or someone's <laughs> lifting somebody up or you, you know that and you and you know the gestures you need and but it also it helps in terms of when you're working with a director or somebody it's, it's saying actually we've tried this it's just not going to work because the singer needs to do this so let's find a different way that we can make that work. breath is hugely important yeah uh, you know if you can breathe with the singers uh, uh that's massively important for the singers, but it's also massively important for the players. So uh, you're you're breathing the phrase with the singer. Um, and uh, yeah I, I yeah I think it I think it's been hugely important. There's also language things with the Italian and, and the French. Particularly, and um, uh, yeah I, I do think that I'm quite a singer's conductor but um uh, but I also, but that doesn't mean you, you could do that and just be too kind to the singer. And that's not the job either. So, um, uh, you know, the, but it, it does definitely, definitely help.
0: Like, singers are torn apart all the time because you need to do this, you need to do that. And we keep thinking like, maybe singers aren't the creative force of, the of the opera industry it's more the conductor and the composer and the and the director and the set designer yeah.
2: i think i think that's not i mean i i we are all the creative force of the industry so we are right. all so we are all critical cog in what makes the piece happen the singer is in an incredibly vulnerable position for sure and and the singer needs to feel supported without that. So there's a lot you can do just gesturing to make singer feel supported. Just, I, it's just looking up and saying, no, you're fine, you're fine. Absolutely fine, um, But there are other times where it's going, no, no, you're not, no, 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 no you're with me. But, but there's also, um, and it's something I talk about a lot in rehearsal, I actually was talking with some singers this week about, it's something just hard to learn as a singer it's that because what you were just saying Avi, was that you didn't want to you didn't know where you, your position was or you didn't fit you know you've yeah. got so much going on but then you diminish yourself in some respects and so you're not showing the conductor where you want to go and that is huge so you know particularly young singers might say to me so but what do you want me to do, do more than i i, I should now i just want you to do what you need to do i'm not advocating responsibility as a conductor but as a push and pull and you need to show me where you're going in the phrase through the tense, through early consonants through your breath so that i can read that and that's fine and then you can feel quite in charge and then i will move from that and do something else and we can go together and and it just becomes a symbiotic thing the, the other day, I was doing a concert. I um, do I can say this, but uh, and so, somebody said to me afterwards that they'd been watching me rehearsing with David Buck-Philip. And, and we were doing Nessie Dorma. And um, we just, we didn't really have much time, right? And, and we'd been doing sort of little Zoom, uh, unaccompanied zipses before we, we meet, but David and I couldn't do that this time. And um, we were really at the end of the rehearsal. And so we said well, just let's let do it. So we we did it. And I was conducting him and I was looking so closely at him and he was looking so closely at me and he was showing me where he was going he was going. I was showing him where I was going next. And somebody said to me at the end, they've been watching that rehearsal and they said it almost felt inappropriate to 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 watch. Like you were you were you were really yeah, just really intruding on something quite personal, which is really strange. But there is that connection. And that's super important for singers. Yeah? Yeah. So, yeah. So that they know what their responsibility is, but it's also that the conductor then knows what their responsibility is. And then you find an innate connection and you you create. Yeah. And 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 literally all we had to do was do it once, that'd so be marvelous.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've had so many, um, an array of conducting engagements with some of the most famous opera houses, um, but you do have a particularly close connection with Opera Holland Park. And we had James Clutton on the podcast last season, and it was great to hear about, you know, what it was like to produce and, and a little bit about Opera Holland Park. Can you tell us what it's like to conduct for them? as a as a company and and what it's like to work with them.
2: Yeah, Oklahoma Park is uh, a very special place to me. <laughs> um, they have a they have a hashtag, we are Holland Park. Yeah. And James Carson takes that very, very seriously. It's, it's not clear about it at all because it's um, uh, very much a family uh, um, and it's a hugely supportive um, company. Does a lot for young artists as well, um, and has guided uh, and built a lot of careers, mine included. I love working there because uh, the repertoire is interesting. I've worked with incredible directors. I've worked with James Clutton, who we, over the years, have become very close colleagues and friends, but all you know. Um, Again, we challenge one another and support one another through a process, but there's a confidence and trust there, Mm -hmm. which is um, fantastic. And it's a very dynamic place to work. Mm -hmm. Even though it's a seasonal company in some respects, because the the main season is in the the summer, although the company continues to work throughout the year, with hugely important Inspire work and, and the Inspire project is at the heart of the company. And I'm sure there are plans to do other things outside of, the, of the, the main season. But it does feel like a year-round company. It feels like a proper company. Mm. And um, people, you work with people again and again and again. There's always new people coming in, but um, people want to return. And I worked in, last, in last year with Ansarfield Ansof, and um and I couldn't quite believe that it was the first time we were actually doing a production together because it felt like I'd, I'd known Anne-Sophie for 10 years or something, because I've been around at Overholland Park, and, and we both go, oh, actually, this is the first time we've ever done an opera <laughs> together. Um, but we already had a relationship that, even if it wasn't intensely close relationship to be end with. we already knew each other so the, and we knew that if James had put us together there's a reason would be put together and, and so that you just it's it's a it's a great place to work we can challenge one another more as you know and it's it's a fun place to work but it's only fun when we're when it's working well and, I, and to see the change in that company and to be a part of that actually mm-hmm. over the years um, it's it's, uh, it's a major company now in in, in, in the in the UK, um, and it's always trying to lead from the front, and uh, to be part of that it, it was great. I mean, I I was there. I'd say during this time, which for all of us, has been horrendous, has not it? I mean, we probably talk about what it's like for the young artists a- during this, uh, because I. But me, look, I'm I'm lucky. I'm saying to you before we recorded, I'm so lucky. Uh, I'm not a super famous, conductor or whatever. You know, I've I've got some nice things on my CV, and I and I work right. So um, I'm lucky. But my year was cancelled. My entire year. I had some really I think, great year. But but by the second week of April, it was all yeah. gone. Yeah. But I'm lucky. I have a forward diary, right? And mm-hmm. and things which were cancelled or postponed till so next year, or something from postponed to two thousand twenty-two, and then you you, said, you know, and other things are still in the dark. Di- I mean, who knows what's going to happen next? Year,
1: right, right? Yeah, but that's it. Well, even to
2: have that ahead is something which I know I'm so fortunate. But I've done three concerts this summer.
0: Yeah. I'm
2: in an incredibly, incredibly privileged position and I, and I know that. And we have to find ways for us all to get back to work. And we have to find ways for people who aren't in my position to work. And for you guys coming out of music college, we have to find ways for you guys to get on the ladder. Yeah. But I also yeah. think that you need to shape the industry in the way that you want to shape it. Yeah. So, I mean, you're doing that, right? You did a podcast, right? Yeah. So you're, you're, yeah. already, you're already doing it. So, <laughs> but, like, but, you know, but it's important. I mean, I was like, I ask you guys a question, I mean, like, how, yeah. how does it feel for you guys going out into the industry, into the industry now? Or what, what are your sort of hopes, fears? Well,
1: and- I mean, I was thinking the other day, would, in this time would I rather be going into music college or would I rather be in the position that I am now and and leave a music college? And I think it is kind of worse leaving music college and you go on the likes of Audition Oracle and Yap Tracker and things and there's just nothing there. Um, But, you know, everyone is in the same position and we've just, in my head, I'm just right now over this time in August trying to, think about how I'm going to create my own opportunities. And it's through collaborating with like-minded people who are going to try and put something together that's going to overcome all of the challenges and restrictions that we have around COVID and everything. So you've just got to think forward. It's not ideal, but you've just got to think forward.
0: We have to change the way we want to see the industry. And this is the perfect time to like as young artists say, no, we're actually not okay with what's been going on. We want to, to look different. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we can make opera more accessible. This is how we can, as young artists, create opportunities that we are excited about and stuff like that.
2: I think that's brilliant, you know, because you're going to be the, the people who run opera in the future, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. a, you, just, you know, and there's so much, I mean, if, there's so much change that can potentially happen. It's given us all the time and space to make those connections with
0: people. You're a real advocate for diversity in opera and making sure opera is accessible. Can you tell us a bit more, and this also we can see that you're so connected with Opera Holland Parks Inspire and, all, and you know everything that we've talked about so far. Can you tell us a bit more of some of the particular projects you've been involved with that extend opportunity in opera and from this, how can you think opera can progress in the right direction?
2: It's a tricky question because, um, that my job, I'm a conductor, right? I'm, 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 I'm here to make music, I'm here to because I love music and to work with people to create great music. And we should, you know, I do not want to be pigeonholed as a, uh, diversity campaigner in some respects. I'm, I'm, I, I speak out, you know, I, I will speak out and I'll, I, I'll talk to people that will listen to me. You know, of course it's come up recently because, uh, you know, I you know, I come from a family of color and, you know, I have an African middle name and we've, we've all known what's going on in the news recently. And, and, and we can't pretend that that wasn't hugely traumatic for anyone who's experienced Racism, uh, and and it brought it's brought a huge number of things up for a lot of people. I've spoken to a lot of my colleagues, and and we all want to move forward really positively, you know. But we should all be campaigners for diversity. Absolutely. All of us should, be, yeah, right. There are things that will change if I if I can speak to people who will listen to me. If I have any privilege at all it's that I can speak to some people who might be able to listen to me and, and affect some sort of change. I can also work with colleagues who also want things to, to change, but what we should be working for is, of course, look, I do a huge amount of Italian opera, that's what I, I, <laughs> I do, loads of it. I want to be able to continue to do that, but I want also to tell some new stories and yeah. um, work with lots of different people it's so complicated right so we should work right from education right from the outset and representation there is really important as well okay. i mean any even the other day when i was doing a inspire project on zoom with um some school kids around ballon master um mm-hmm. and we were talking about what is conductor and a little girl said well um he does this and he does that and you know being able to sort of Talk about gender bias with yeah. eight-year-olds uh, uh, as regards to conducting was mad, you know. But like yeah. this is, but it's really you know. So you start really young. Or well, I've done uh, with Chineke at Queen Elizabeth Hall, passenger concerts where kids can sit, come and sit in the orchestra. And oh, Chineke is so a, 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 a black minority ethnic a, a orchestra and the junior orchestra as well. And and, uh, and it attracts a different audience as well, um, or, uh, which is fantastic. And to have little kids of pilots sitting in front of the double bass, you can know, feel the vibrations mm. through them. And, and you ask them, what's that? Thing? They're like,
0: it was amazing! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So that they think, well, I can go off and play the double bass. I can go off and play the cello. I can go and repeat that. So that's hugely important. Yes. There's more work to be done mm. on opening address books. Wider um, uh, in fixing of players because there are players of of colour, and I don't think we should just talk about that either. Because we've got to talk about disability and and gender and all sorts. But equally, as a a woman conductor, doesn't want to be referred to as a woman conductor. Doesn't want to be referred to as a conductor of colour. I'm a conductor, you know, and uh, people don't want to be referred, referred to by their disability. But we should be opening. The or doors. their religion.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: And but people need to be able to look down into an orchestra pit and see someone that represents them. They need to be able to see people on the stage that represent them. Importantly, the very other end of the scale, which is what I've been talking a lot about, is governance, artistic direction and management companies as well. Because if you if you change the governance of companies so that they are more diverse. It will trickle down. It will, it will so you work from you, you have to work from all, all ends. But we also have to be more diverse, maybe in our programming, uh, there are living composers out there from all backgrounds. Let's you know do a bit more of that, and and we just we just have to, and 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 it, that's exciting. Um, but we shouldn't be pigeonholing anything I, I, yeah. I think either but I mean but yeah. but we have to see we have to see the change often I, I might walk into an orchestra here and if there's one other player of color, color we'll notice one another we'll give this sort of tacit, kind mm-hmm. of nod and we'll, yeah. we'll get on with it but mm-hmm. I you know it, it, it would be lovely I, I have to say actually standing up with, with Chinaka, it was it was very liberating mm. experience standing up in front of a uh an orchestra which looked entirely different to an orchestra you might ordinarily see and mm-hmm. and that it's very oddly it's almost quite a spiritual experience you know we we, but we just have to address it pos- positively don't we uh we're, we're here to make music and the other thing i'd say about accessibility as well but my, my feeling perhaps is that classical music is never going to be mass market, right so that um, people access classical music via all sorts of different ways through film through gaming. Um, I did a project recently where I was working with Aenea, so a neo-soul singer from um, British but Ghanaian British um, and we both have Ghanaian background um, and uh, she's Tawiyah, and we were over Zoom for Opera North Residence we, we were creating a piece and I was I was putting some Classical elements into something that she was doing. Will people access classical music that way? You know. Mm-hmm. So, but so people access it in in the masses. But classical music as a as an entity, will it be mass market appeal? I don't know. But what it should be is it should be accessible for everybody. So anybody from every single community should feel welcome and should feel that they're able to go and want to go and explore it. And if they want to then be, be, be a classical musician, they, they should be. And we just should see that represented. And, and that, that's it, you know. It, it, I think it's important that we also say it's an act of service we're, Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that we've run out there, uh, we're like uh, we're not like firefighters or paramedics or doctors or surgeons or... And our key workers have just done extraordinary things, you know, during this, this last time, um, period of time. But what we do, we do do as an service of service for people. Um, we create for an audience, for a community. And, and it shouldn't be underestimated how important that is. I mean, I've, saw, I've seen that over these past few months so as well, mm. how important music is for people's being, yeah. just as a human being, bringing people to tears, it's, you know, and I'm also aware that it can sound pretentious when we start talking about classical musical music and art and um, and culture as a thing for our souls. So it feeds our souls. it sounds incredibly pretentious, that's why people don't like it. But it is, but it, If but you it experience
1: it, then you'll, you know, you understand that it brings- Yeah, but everybody
2: experiences it. Take Take music away, what are you left with? I, and so, it is a visceral thing. I have to say, on Saturday, hearing the chorus singing that Mascani from Ips, mm. I just, I was in absolute flux. The hearing, the human voice collectively doing that is something which really completely gets you in your gut. And that is more important than ever. And that should, that has to be accessible to everybody. Yeah. It really does. And that's, yeah. that's the bottom line, really. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> because it's what makes us human.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that experience with the chorus that you've, you've had recently sounds like a very memorable experience that you'll treasure. But I do have down on the questions here, and you thought the last question was hard. Do you have a most memorable conducting experience?
2: talked about two. I mean one I've already okay. kind of talked about. So right. these last three last three gigs of ours, the to amalgamate those into a whole. The journey of that has been incredibly important because I think that by Saturday we've got back a feeling of this was for the singers as well who had done a couple of gigs together now an and, and, and got back singing and the players I had a lot of the same players as well again on Saturday, and it just got back to this feeling of, this is normal and really natural, and it was just wonderful. The other performance, well, I wouldn't call it performance, actually, the other conducting moment that sticks out most vividly for me in 2017. I do it's too long was amazing, but I've talked about that, for the reason i talked about it. But 2017, I was at Park moving La Rondele, and then The Grenfell Fire, happened and um, Holland Park is right by Grenfell and is a part of the the community and uh, uh, a member of staff, Debbie Lamprow uh, at Holland Park uh, who was the safety officer in Grenfell, she was wonderful you know she'd been around for years and she lived in Grenfell and she died in Grenfell and Oh the morning afterwards James Clutton and the fire was going, James Clutton just pounded the streets to the people, you know. And Mike and Volpe and um, James and uh, close with Debbie's mum and she was at concert on Saturday night well, after it was confirmed that she had died. Um, one day we had a memorial service for her before the show and Debbie's mum they came to see. La it was our last night at La Rondinée. I think it was 23rd of June, 2017. And uh, at the end, we did, um, there's a wonderful, we play End of act two, middle act two, it's just, it's just the most incredible ensemble. And we did it as an, we did it as an encore, At the end, for Debbie and the victims of Grenfell. And I've never known an air charged with so much energy. And I I know Liz Llewellyn didn't actually get, basically, couldn't sing the very end of it. And uh, I, I can't quite explain how that moment. Felt to conducting that, and that's what we're talking about the act of service,
1: yeah,
2: and yeah. the connection between an audience. We weren't an audience at that point, we were just all in a space together, yeah, communing, and that will forever stick out for me as something incredibly important. It showed the power of music, the power of coming together, yeah. uh, and. That's what it's. That's what it's all about, and so that, for me, I can't imagine there being a moment that's going yeah. to be more memorable than even that.
0: Thank you so much for, for sharing that as well. I guess, yeah, that really does show also the power of Opera Holland Park as a company that they had, that you know, they have that connection with their staff the and community. Yeah and the community that they've, it's just, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to segue into the next question yeah. now without like... <laughs> oh, yeah, we know, <laughs> no, we'll, um, we'll... No, well, uh, I'll ask it anyway, and then, um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, break um, the loop, up the loop. The loop,
1: the
2: loop, the loop. <laughs> it's the, well, it,
1: it's the last question, and it's always a nice question to to round off with this sort of question, so are we Yeah. To have it?
0: Um, you work with a lot of young singers and through masterclasses and coachings, what would be your best piece of advice for young singers starting out in the industry and particular for someone who would like to collaborate more with conductors?
2: Um, I mean, We touched on a lot of that earlier yeah. as well, uh, didn't we? So, you know, being very well Uh Don't think it's all about the voice. <laughs> the, 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 your, your voice is your, your vehicle to do stuff with. So, you know, the, the, the intentions that you have with the text, the, the colors that you create. Don't, don't imagine that you have to be a fully formed artist. No one's a fully formed artist. We, mm-hmm. keep, we keep learning and that's the beauty of it. Don't view the conductor as um, someone has to give you everything and don't view the conductor as somebody Who's a little bit of uh, an enemy? There used to be that thing that the conductor was, uh, was uh, there. It probably was true, but a bit tutorial. But times have changed, thank goodness. And um, <laughs> the, the, the conductor is there to, to collaborate with and to help you. Uh, be a, just be a nice person. right? <laughs> this is this is uh, this is it's, it's an underrated bit of advice. Yeah. The people who work a lot generally the people that people also are talented work hard people like they're easy to get along with uh, you can challenge one another that um, uh, you can have a laugh um, and um, that is really important and um, languages please 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 you know we well, we've got language coaches right there and everything back that, and and we work them Italian, what I do a lot longer, but, you know, understand the flow and the direction of the language and how the inflection of the language works because that's really important. And if you have time, understanding how the orchestra works and functions for, for you and what the orchestra is saying and in terms of phrasing where you can't take time. I mean, we'll do it in rehearsal, but where you can't okay. take time because the orchestras can't adjust. Or, yeah. You know, um, and learning how to show direction is, Massive people, but I'm um, just yeah, take away be, be a good colleague um, and be a nice, be a nice yeah. person, and we'll get along all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's very good advice, Matthew. Thank you. Um, where is it that people can find you online and, and contact you if they feel they
2: uh, I'm on Twitter um at i think it's at matthew k Waldron. yeah my website actually is going to change soon to matthew k Waldron, but at the moment it's matthew com. my agent you can always go find my agent i mean um yeah i mean you can contact me directly if you want to or, or by my agent or by twitter i'm so old still. no no
1: that's that's fine Better Send me a letter.
2: Ten <laughs> <pile>. <laughs> a yeah, the postcard. I received a postcard this week. It was very exciting.
0: was <laughs> very exciting when you receive one. I received one a couple of weeks ago and I was just like, whew. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <Got> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. This has been incredible.
2: Um, um, pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me. And uh, yeah, good luck to you guys with everything that comes up for you as well. I hope Thank you. It works out really big
1: Thank you. So, question of the week this week was who is your favorite conductor? And I was really excited to ask this because I'm really bad with knowing like conductors names so it's going to be be a bit of an educational experience for me um i mean obviously i know the obvious ones
0: i was actually gonna say the same thing that i was actually really excited about this because i got to learn about so many more conductors that i didn't know about so it's amazing
1: yeah 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 so it's a good good question teach the uh teach the singers about some conductors so um a classic one to start with
0: Yeah, another one that's that said also that Leonard Burnside, said so he gets two so far.
1: It is fascinating to watch him conduct, especially the West Side
0: Story suite and stuff. It's just, like, fascinating. Then uh, Jonathan Lakeland, who's also on the podcast and is a um, conductor and a coach, uh, said Carlos Kleiber. Mm. And then T- Taylor Flute said Barbara Hannigan. I actually love Barbara Hannigan. The way she conducts it's very interesting because she she's also a singer so she sometimes conducts and sings at the same time oh that's interesting yeah um but we had
1: nathan smith who said helen harrison female conductor there and uh tom newell then we had a friend of the podcast rachel liddell i saw her conduct candied at the barbican oh my days bang bang pow pow <laughs> <laughs> and rachel also said sakari he just looks like the most encouraging champ, who's a fan of hugs.
0: <laughs> I love Rachel. Oh. Um, then we also got um, from Ruth, uh, Ruth Clement, Tulia Serafin who I have never heard of, and I would love to listen to. There's, a, I'm very happy that there's a good representation of women on this. We also got from Saskia Violinist, um, na- nazani Nazanin agakani what a woman so i mean we had loads more responses we will uh share them on our instagram stories so go check out our stories and you'll find out more over there and that is all for episode 40 of aa podcast thank you so much for listening and thank you so much to Matthew Waldron for joining
1: us. It was a fantastic episode and we really hope that you guys enjoyed listening. Please
0: make sure to like, rate and subscribe and follow this podcast on whatever platform you listen. That would really help us
1: out. And you can find us anywhere. Our social medias are Pod, and you can get in touch at aaoprapod at jmail.com. And if you really love this podcast, then please remember to check out our Patreon, which is www.patreon.com patreon.com slash aa opera and that is it have a great 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 week everybody we'll see you next time bye